This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging for Canadians. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. January isn't just a big month for self-improvement. It's also Alzheimer's Awareness Month. Today I'll be joined by Naguib Gouda, CEO of the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. We'll talk about the disturbing results of a new poll that shows Canadians wait far too long to see a doctor after experiencing the symptoms of Alzheimer's. I'll also talk to our Zoomer Week in Review house doctor, Zach Levine. He'll have the latest on the foods and vitamins we should eat to maintain a healthy brain. Well, that's all right, Mama. That's all right for you. And one of the biggest Zoomer icons would have been 77 today. We'll take a look back at Elvis's career, including his famous performances on The Ed Sullivan Show. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do you have children who are moving back into the house now that they've finished university? Or maybe an elderly parent is about to take over that spare bedroom. Well, you aren't alone. According to Marion Saltzman, the CEO of Euro RSCG Worldwide PR North America and one of the world's leading trend spotters, repopulating the empty nest is going to be one of the big trends for baby boomers in 2012. She says that young college graduates who can't find jobs and senior citizens who can't afford the high prices of retirement homes will lead to many generations living under the same roof. Another trend she predicts for 2012 is baby boomers becoming much more in touch with technology. She says more Zoomers will use smartphones and applications like Skype, debunking the myth of the tech-challenged boomer. Hopefully having all those people in your house won't put a damper on your sex life especially since women seem to enjoy sex more as they age. That's the latest from a study out of the University of California, San Diego's School of Medicine. They analyzed sexual activity, desire, and satisfaction in a group of women aged 40 or older with a median age of 67 years. The majority of women answered that they are moderately or very satisfied with their sex lives, and the frequency at which women are very satisfied increased with the respondent's age. The study was published in the American Journal of Medicine. The United Nations Food and Agricultural Agency has a new head. Brazil's former food security minister, José Graziano da Silva, took over the position on January 1st. He told reporters this week that his top priority is to make good on the agency's mandate, eradicate world hunger. However, he also expects 2012 to be a troubling year because he says the global economic crisis will see food prices remaining volatile and more people going hungry. The agency put the number of hungry people at 925 million in 2010, with an overwhelming majority living in developing countries. Graziano says one of his main priorities is to decentralize the agency's work and fight hunger on a local, not a global level. We've all heard of the American dream. Working from humble beginnings to economic prosperity is the ideal America was built on. 
However, the reality is that upward mobility is much harder in the United States than in some other countries. At least five large studies in recent years have found the U.S. to be less mobile than comparable nations, including our own country, Canada, and much of Western Europe. Miles Corrick, an economist at the University of Ottawa, found that just 16% of Canadian men raised in the bottom tenth of income stayed there as adults, compared with 22% of American men. One reason for the mobility gap may be the depth of American poverty, which leaves poor children starting even further behind and unable to deal with the high costs of education. And finally, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, is set to marry for the third time at the age of 69. She'll be tying the knot with Willie Wilkerson, who was a longtime friend before the relationship became romantic. The pair is considering a summer wedding in the Hamptons, and the bride is looking at designers Donna Karen or Vera Wang for a custom-made gown. This comes just a year after she suffered from a severe illness, which was erroneously reported to be pancreatic cancer. When asked why she's ready to try again, the Queen of Soul said she likes being married. Amen. Those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. I'm Libby Zneimer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. January is Alzheimer's Disease Month, and as with so many other diseases, it's a lot easier to treat if it's diagnosed early. But the Alzheimer's Society just commissioned a poll which shows that Canadians are missing out on early diagnosis because. They wait a long time, generally, after experiencing symptoms before they seek some medical help. So, with me, I have Nagib Gouda, who is the CEO of the Alzheimer's Society. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Libby. Well, what do you make of the findings of this poll? The findings are very distressing, Libby. Almost half of those、uh, we polled waited more than a year with symptoms before seeing their family doctors. 16% of those people waited over two years. I talked about another finding, which was a 75% who wished that they had sought diagnosis earlier.、Um, and and certainly,、uh, the poll indicated to us the lack of people's understanding of the differences between aging and Alzheimer's. So, what are the symptoms? Differences between symptoms of normal aging and dementia include memory loss. Uh, and and in terms of memory loss, it's about memory loss that affects your ability to function.、Uh, it's about not forgetting somebody's name, but forgetting that you ask somebody the same question repeatedly. Symptoms such as、uh, not losing your car keys, but when you find them, not realizing what they're for, or finding yourself in your car but not really knowing why you're there. Sudden personality changes. A very social person who becomes antisocial or Uh, a recluse, language problems,、uh, behavioral behavioral changes, delusions and hallucinations and agitation, loss of interest in things that you previously enjoyed,、uh, or trouble performing、uh, simple tasks that used to come easily, preparing a meal, using a cell phone, those kinds of things. You mentioned that one of the reasons people delay is that they don't understand that these symptoms are symptoms of Alzheimer's. But what are some of the other reasons that people delay going to the doctor? There's a lot of stigma around this disease,、um, a lot of misunderstanding, and I think that also it's the lack of understanding the benefits. One of the messages we're trying to get out there is that as soon as you start 
sensing changes or, or experiencing any of these symptoms, you should go see your family doctor. They're the best qualified to diagnose or make a referral. And we know for a fact that the earlier you get diagnosed, the more you will benefit from that early diagnosis through access to drugs that we know work better if they are used earlier in the progression of the disease. They're more likely to help you manage your symptoms. Uh, and they may also slow down the progression of the disease. It's about living beyond the diagnosis, and it's about maintaining a quality of life after the diagnosis. It's about giving yourself time to be actively involved in your future plans, financial, legal, health plans. And like anything else, and this goes back to your question, it's about suffering unnecessarily from the uncertainty of not knowing what's happening to you and learning coping skills uh, once you know what it is that you have. Well, it's interesting not knowing what's happening to you. Uh, again, back to your poll, 13% said that they didn't seek help because they were afraid of a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And that's what I meant when we uh, talked about stigma a few mi minutes ago. Um, like any other mental health issue, there are stigmas around this disease. The stigma of losing your intellect, of growing old, of, of mental health issues, those are real. And the importance of the conversation we're having is to get people talking about this and to start taking away that stigma. The other thing that your poll highlighted is that there's a problem with wait times, that once people do decide to go see a doctor, especially a specialist, they can wait an awfully long time, sometimes years. Uh, as I said earlier, the best place to go first is your family doctor, and the family doctor can start the diagnosis. At least half the time the family doctor makes that diagnosis on his or her own. Um, this disease can sometimes be like peeling an onion. It's about figuring out what else this may be, and there are times when it's not Alzheimer's or other related dementias. Um, and so that conclusion can be made earlier if something else is found. And the other really important message, Libby, is what people can do to protect themselves from the disease. Uh, simple lifestyle changes to, to lead a healthier lifestyle in terms of uh, eating better, in terms of uh, weight control, uh, in terms of exercise, in terms of remaining socialized and staying active. Those are really, really important things for boomers to know. Okay, thank you very much, Nagib Gouda, CEO of the Alzheimer Society. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more information, go to www.alzheimer.ca. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. In just a moment, we'll continue the discussion with Dr. Zachary Levine. He'll tell us what foods and vitamins we should be consuming to keep our brains healthy and active as we age. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging for Canadians. Our last guest, Nagib Gouda from the Alzheimer's Society, alluded to the importance of a healthy diet in preventing Alzheimer's disease. Well, just this week, a new study published in the journal Neurology showed that a diet rich in vitamins and fish can protect the brain from aging, while junk food has the opposite effect. I reached our house doctor, Zach Levine, in Montreal. Here is yet another study about the benefits of eating a healthy diet, and this one links diets that are high in vitamins B, C, D, E, and omega-3s with brain health, with less brain shrinkage. What do you think? 
<laughs> well, I think it's a very interesting study. They looked at levels of greater than 30 nutrients in people's blood, which was in and of itself interesting because they weren't, classically they asked people what they eat. And that's not always that reliable. You know, people don't always remember. And the other thing is people don't always absorb everything that they eat. So in this study, they actually measured levels in the blood. So they got a good idea of how much of these nutrients people actually have in their blood. And they showed that the groups of nutrients that you talked about, so they found these two groups, the, the B, C, D, and E group, and the omega-3 fatty acids separately, were that people who had higher levels of those things had better cognitive function and bigger brains in general. So when they, when they did their MRIs, they found these people had less brain shrinkage, which is something that's been associated with dementia and Alzheimer's dementia in particular. Well, and it's also very interesting because the average age of the people that they studied was 87. So they, they weren't uh, looking at young people. They were looking at people in an age group that's obviously at very high risk. Absolutely. I remember last year there was another study, a uh, very negative study about vitamins that showed mm. that older women who took vitamins had a higher risk of death than women who didn't take vitamins. So, so how do you square this study with that study? One of the things that we, the people I spoke to about that study came up with is that people didn't need necessarily to take high doses of supplements. There's certainly no evidence that it's bad to have a healthy diet that includes all these vitamins and omega-3 oils, but that study made us question whether we're over-supplementing ourselves. There's certainly very good evidence that having a healthy diet with all these vitamins and omega-3 is good for you and it's good for your brain, and we know it's good for everything else as well and that it may not be necessary to supplement if you're getting enough from your diet. Is there any advice you can give people about sticking to a diet that contains these things? Well, it, people do have a hard time, and one of the things is that people are, to a certain extent, addicted to foods that are not good for them. Once we cut them out, once our bodies get used to having healthier foods, we can actually habituate ourselves to craving those more healthy foods, and the other thing is, it's certainly, I'm no nutritionist, but if you ever have questions, I think it's worthwhile for people to speak with their doctors and, and perhaps speak with nutritionists because all these healthy foods, and you know, we don't have time to go through them, but there are lots of foods, and, and of course, green leafy vegetables and fish, they can be made into very delicious uh, meals, but not all of us know how to do so. Now let's turn to the other side of the study that you just alluded to, that uh, these things are good for you and you will have less brain shrinkage, but if you eat a lot of trans fat and a lot of junk, uh, the opposite effect will happen. Diets high in trans fats increase your cardiovascular risk. So things like you're at much higher risk of having a heart attack or stroke if you are taking in a lot of these trans fats, which are things that are you know, typically in cookies and donuts and cakes and pastries and pies. They have hydrogenated vegetable oils and they're typically things that food companies want to last a long time. So we knew that these trans fats are unhealthy, and there are some jurisdictions, I understand, that are banning them, but they're not banned where I live. Uh, but they do, in uh, pretty much everything you buy in the supermarket, it tells you how much trans fat, so you can make a decision when you buy something. You can choose, for example, you know, we, we sometimes buy cookies that we can bake at home. Well, a lot of them have trans fats, but if you look around, you can find them without trans fats. Anyway, we knew these things are bad for us, but this study is showing that it's actually bad for our brains as well. So the people who had high trans fats in their bloods did worse on the tests of mental abilities, and they had the decreased brain volume. All these heart-healthy lifestyles, so things like being active and eating well, are being shown to not only be good for our hearts, 
but they're also good for our brains, not just in preventing stroke, but in improving people's cognitive function and decreasing their risk of dementia. You mentioned uh, the trans fat ban. One place where that's in effect is New York City. As a person who's involved in public health, do you think that we should start advocating and asking our governments to step in and do something like that as well? Frankly, I don't see any problem with banning them. If we're not going to, then I think it's important that we get the word out that they're very unhealthy and that maybe in addition to what we have now, which is at least we can see how much of a trans fat is on a label, perhaps they should highlight that with a warning. You know, that this, uh, this product contains trans fats, which increase your risk of having a heart attack or, or even potentially dementia. Okay, well, that's an interesting idea. I'm sure a lot of people would say it's uh, encouraging more of a nanny state, but at least that would alert people in that moment when they're, you know, reaching for the package. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Zachary Levine joining us from Montreal. Thank you so much. Thanks, Libby. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review on the new AM740. You ain't nothing but a hound. It's Elvis Presley's birthday, and in just a moment, we'll celebrate by revisiting one of his historic performances on The Ed Sullivan Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging for Canadians. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Elvis Presley was more than a rock and roll legend. He was a cultural icon that spanned generations. Not only did he help define rock and roll as a musical genre, he also personified the rebellious attitude that went along with it. Today is Elvis's birthday, and the king would have been 77 years old. 1956 was the year that saw him become an international superstar. One contributing factor was his famous appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show. Sullivan had previously nixed an appearance by Elvis, thinking that he would offend the show's family audience. But in the thick of a ratings war with NBC's The Steve Allen Show, Sullivan conceded. On September 9, 1956, Elvis made his first appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show. Sixty million people watched live as guest host and actor Charles Lawton introduced Elvis, and the rest, as they say, is history. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Lawton, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, this is probably the greatest honor that I've ever had in my life. Uh, There's not much I can say except it really makes you feel good, and we want to thank you from the bottom of our heart. And now, don't be cruel. You know I can be found, sitting home all alone. If you can't come around, at least on his telephone, don't be cruel. Made of your man, something I might have said. Please be love for getting the past. The future looks bright ahead. Don't be cruel. Too hard is true. I don't want no 
was Elvis Presley's first appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show in 1956. Today, Elvis would be celebrating his 77th birthday. And that's it for this edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you'll be back next Sunday at noon right here on the new AM740 Zoomer Radio. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.